HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Cutting the Curd has been brought to you by Academy Opus Cassius. The Academy Opus Cassius is the cheese industry's unique center for professional development, offering both practical and classroom training in the heart of France. For more information, visit academy-mons.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E-M-O-N-S.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and today's show is all about affinage. Affinage, I feel, is one of those terms that was very little known to people in this country uh, probably just about 10 years ago. And even though today it's known just to a slightly larger handful of people, it's definitely more on the radar, especially in the cheese world. Affinage is the art of aging or ripening cheese. And uh, today we're going to speak with um, people that actually ripen cheeses, people who teach affinage. Uh, and we're just going to talk about the topic of affinage and cheese caves in general. Uh, some, think, some think that it's all a bunch of, uh, a, a bunch of bunk and marketing, um, and some make their lives work doing it. So after today's show, um, we're going to shed some light on uh, exactly what happens in affinage and uh, and uh, what the benefits are to the cheeses. Um, our first guest is Sue Sturman, who is the director of the Academy Opus Caseus uh, in France. And Sue, we are very excited to have you with us. I love being on your show, Anne. <laughs> Thank you for being back. You're welcome. Um, so, so affinage, it's, it's, it is, I feel like, well, this is probably a year or so ago now, but I feel like it is a slightly controversial topic. Some people think that, you know, it's all a bunch of marketing hoopla. Um, obviously you are not one of those people because you actually teach the subject of affinage at the Academy Opus Caseus. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, what you actually teach in your program? Yeah. Um, for us, the definition of affinage is to 
work with cheese in a where you're managing the environment and there are a number of parameters that are in that are required to manage the environment um, and to take to apply specific um, care to cheese using specific um, techniques and and gestures turning washing uh, morging doing various things treating the cheese in various ways to bring it to the full organoleptic expression of what it can be this um, and and that is something that takes place over time so it's managed environment there there are several ingredients one is managed environment one is treatments of the cheese um, and the objective is always to bring the cheese to the fullest expression that it can be organoleptically, so all senses included. Um, so, and and what we teach is, you know, is is all of that. We start with, you know, identifying what's cheese, what is milk. We make sure that everyone has, you know, a common understanding of what that is, um, because of course, all cheese is about the milk. Absolutely. I you know, want to be real clear, all cheese is about the milk. And you then can't it's make about good the cheese, cheese and then it's bad about milk. aging the cheese. Yes. And then it's about eating the cheese because that's like really the most important thing. <laughs> exactly. Let's cut right to the chase here. Eating the cheese is cut the best right part the of this chase. process. Yeah. Um, um, so you start so from this very teach, basic We have a way. combination. Go ahead. What was that? Oh, no. I said so you start with, uh, with this very basic information. What is cheese? What is milk? And then you kind of progress from there. Yeah, we progress from there. And, and the, way that we, um, the way that we do our programs is that we have a very hands-on component. So half the time that the students are with us for the two weeks here in France, um, we, the students are, are, are doing affinage work. They're, they're turning cheeses. They're receiving cheeses. They're determining, okay, these cheeses that we've just received, you know, we have to dis- determine whether they're going to go into the hardware or into the cave. You know, how damp is the surface of this cheese? What's the texture of this cheese? Which direction do we need to take this particular cheese out of this batch of 50 or 200 cheeses or however many cheeses it might be at a time? Um, and uh, or they may be brushing cheeses or washing cheeses or turning cheeses or um, uh, rotating cheeses in different spaces to uh, uh, to make sure that they are getting the right access to the right uh, conditions in order to develop the the molds or the or or the rind or the proteolysis or whatever that's going on in the cheese. Um, so they're doing the hands-on work, and then they come up into the classroom. Usually that's in the morning, and then they come up into the classroom, and we give them the theory and the wherefore and the why and how does this all work bacteriologically and, and, and all of that in the classroom sessions. So they do the practical work first, and then they come up and they, have, they come with questions, and we go over the questions, and we also give them the the context and the background and the science behind what, what it is that they're doing and, and why it is that they're doing and, and, and why what they're doing will have the effect that, that it's intended to have. That is um, just, it sounds... We also spend a lot of time teaching the fact that there's a lot of science behind it, but it's highly empirical. You have to watch. Exactly. I was going to say, you know, there's a science, but there's, a, there's definitely kind of a, a watching, a listening, a, a kind of more... Um, intangible, kind of almost more romantic side, I guess, if you will, of, of kind of intuiting what the cheese needs. There's a, yeah. 
I'm not sure how romantic it is, and, and, you know, because I think when you romanticize it, um, that's when you get into this sort of trap of marketing hokum. Um, so I, I'd like to stay with the really concrete that it's hard work, it's incredibly repetitive work, um, it takes place over time, and you have to be observant. Um, cheese doesn't ripen by itself. If you leave cheese on its own in an environment and you're not monitoring the environment and you're not doing anything to the cheese, um, if you're not at the very least turning it, you're going to have an unpleasant result. It's not going to be the same on all sides. You're going to have weird things happening that you have no control over. Um, one way to think about affinage is it, it, it's a little bit um, rind farming. <laughs> Okay. I hesitate to say mold farming. So let's stick with rind farming. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, it's it reminds me, you know, I have a an almost 1-year-old and it's like a cheese does not ripen by itself. A child is not raised by him or herself. <laughs> you have to pay attention to these things and kind of do the um like you said to, to just do these um very real and practical things to bring the cheese to its fruition. Um so a question that I have is, you know, how do you kind of begin, how in two weeks can you encompass something that takes a real, that does take a lifetime to learn? I mean, to be an affineur, to be a master affineur, it really does take a lifetime of, of watching how the cheese responds, how the, how the different cheeses mature in different environments with different um, techniques applied to them. So how do you guys attempt to condense that? We don't have any pretense that when someone completes a two-week course with us that they will end being, that they will walk away from here being an affineur. I want to be real clear about that. What we can do is we can give them some guidance, we can show them the way, and we can set them on the path. Mm. Um, some people come away from the course saying, you know what, this is just not the work for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But they know what the work is. Absolutely. Um, so um, it's really it, the most that you can hope to do, as intensive as this course is. I mean, it's, it's long days. It's 10 full days plus a weekend in between that we cram a lot of stuff into. Um, it's, it, it's, some of it's very hard physical labor. Some of it's boring. Not boring, but, but like you standing said, still. Repetitive. Turning. 250 cheeses that are all the same. Yeah. But they're not all the same. There's a subtle difference between each cheese. And when you've touched and checked with the back of your fingers the moisture content on the surface of 250 geotrichum rinded um, uh, uh, um, lactic cheeses, you start to get a feel for the differences between each of those individual cheeses in a way that no book will ever tell you. It's a physical, experiential learning. Um, and we also offer the underpinnings of, okay, this is what I can feel. This is how I interpret it. Um, so we get people started. We, we, we give them a direction to go. We give them some basic understandings. Um, you know, we talk about the... The, the rind flora that we see on the cheeses that we have in our facilities, they're not going to be the same as the cheeses that you see on the rinds in your shop. They're not going to be the same as anybody else 
agencies in their in their places. Um, so you have to, if, if you're working with your own cheeses, if you're a cheesemaker and you want to start aging out some cheeses and sort of learn how to take your cheeses to the next step and bring them to a little bit more maturity, uh, maybe play with them a little bit, um, starting to understand what some of this biochemistry is and how you, how you play with it and what the parameters are is what you can come to this course for. And we're actually surprised because we're finding that, that the cheesemakers are the ones that are coming. Ah, that was going to be my next wasn't question. wasn't quite what we were expecting. Yeah, it's thrilling. Well, it's thrilling because cheesemakers make fabulous affinage students. I bet they do. Well, you know, it's interesting because in France, you know, affinage is a separate um, is a separate métier. It's a separate profession from cheesemaking. Yeah. Um, but in the U.S., that's an interesting distinction that most cheesemakers are their own affineurs because there are very few affineurs in this country. Um, so that's there very are. interesting. Yeah. So you find that cheesemakers make up, uh, would you say, the bulk of your students? Well, we've just completed our second course in affinage for the English-speaking market, so I don't have a huge database to to talk from, uh-huh. but yes, I'd say that I'd say that fifty percent, sure. Wow, wow! Everyone in this course was a was a cheesemaker, or okay. had or had strong cheesemaking backgrounds. Had spent a lot of time cheesemaking. So I have another um, question: um, How do you adapt your techniques to people who? You know, to these cheesemakers who are prob- who are maybe from the United States working here, who and you know, and everyone and has Australia and Aust- and other. Uh, we've had quite a few of Aus- Australians come through too. That's fantastic. Well, so you know, the the cave at uh, at Mons uh, or at the academy is one environment, or actually many different specific environments for ripening different types of cheeses. How do you apply your techniques, um, knowing that these cheesemakers and affineurs are going to be faced with a whole different set of environments when they get back to their home? Well, they work in our caves. They're coming and they're working on French cheeses. They're working in our environments. Um, But what they're doing is they're getting a feel for the cheese. They're observing. They're physically getting a feel for the cheese. We're also um, giving them information. We we give them a lot of information about what is what is the physical infrastructure that you need if you're if you're going to develop an affinage environment. Um, We take them to see the people that manufacture infrastructure equipment. Um, so we go over all of the, you know, the, you know, what kind of things do you need to think about if you're building out? Um, we show them, uh, we show them what we have. We show them, we have three different environments. We have, we have caves up in Perpizat in, um, in the Auvergne and we have the tunnel, uh, here in Auvergne and we have the, we have the, the caves here in Centon. So we have three different facilities that they spend time in and they spend time working cheese in. Um, so they have a, a, they see a range of different affinage environments. Um, they're learning, one of the big surprises that people are learning about is what is a halwar? <laughs> this is a, something that's new and a halwar is a slightly warmer, uh, environment that has uh, some, a certain amount of air movement in it, and it's a place where you dry the surface of a cheese, and at the same time you're, in, you're, you're encouraging, you're setting up the environmental conditions that will encourage the development of the very first 
uh, flora growth on the on the rind of your cheese, and very often that's a geotrichum, um, a geotrichum rind that starts to develop before anything else comes along in its in the next progression. That's fantastic. Um, so how do we adapt the learning? People go home and they they will be. Uh, um, adapting the techniques that they've seen to the cheeses that they have. One of the people that they get to have access to while we're while they're here is um, our quality control manager, who is um, a, an expert on the technicalities of cheese and cheese make as well as affinage. And so they have an afternoon that they spend with him, and they actually this session the cheesemakers had some very very specific questions about issues that they have with the cheeses that they're making in Iowa and in Australia. <laughs> and, uh, and he was able to give them some, some information and some detailed pointers and some, some suggestions about exactly what they can be doing to improve their cheese. That is a, well, I, I, for one, am jealous. I definitely want to come and enroll in one of these affinage classes at some point. It would just be uh, an amazing experience. Um, well, we're almost out of time. So if people want to learn more about uh, upcoming classes, uh, want to get a little bit more in-depth knowledge about what uh, all the different phases of the classes that you offer are, um, where should they look? They should go to our website, which has a ton of information on it. Um, and that is at www.academy-mons.com, or they can send me an email. Um, my email is s-sturman, S-T-U-R-M-A-N, at academy-mons.com. And um, we have uh, our affinage courses in 2014 are going to be in July and October, those dates are on the website, and we have our other course, Essential Foundations for Cheese Professionals, happening in February and in May of next year. Fantastic. It, oh, sounds like it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being back on the show with us. It's really great to chat with you and to catch up and hear all these wonderful things happening at the Academy. And uh, no doubt we will have you back on the show very soon. Fabulous. Thanks so much. Have a great, great holiday season. Thank you. And we'll be right back on Cutting the Curd. This song is called Communication by Fote. We'll be right back on Cutting the Curd.
The Academy Opus Cassius is the cheese industry's unique center for professional development, offering both practical and classroom training for cheese professionals ready to move their careers to the next level. When you come to learn at the Academy, we instill our love for cheese, our expertise, and our experience so that you can support artisanal producers, impeccably care for the fine cheeses you carry, and serve your customers with skill and enthusiasm. We integrate hands-on practice, formal instruction, and classroom discussion in all of our courses. The Academy's programs are offered at the Mons Fromagerie in the heart of France, where cheese undergoes affinage and cheeses are received, prepared, and shipped. Several Mons retail shops are nearby. The surrounding countryside is the home to producers whose excellent cheeses are cared for by the Mons team. The Mons cheese business has more than 50 years' experience caring for and teaching about cheese in France, a country known as the source of some of the world's greatest cheeses, deepest cheese tradition, and the highest level of technological research and rigor in cheese-making and ripening. The Academy has been recognized by the American Cheese Society as the first approved education center for those preparing for the Certified Cheese Professional Exam. Enroll now for Essential Foundations for Cheese Professionals or Affinage, the Art and Science of Maturing Cheese. For more information, visit www.academy-mons.com That's A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E dash M-O-N-S dot com. Certified Cheese Professional is a registered trademark of the American Cheese Society. And we are back here on Cutting the Curd. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network. Check out uh, Cutting the Curd and other shows on heritageradionetwork.org. So today we're talking about cheese caves and affinage, which is the art of ripening cheese. Our second guest is an expert in that area. We have with us on the phone Lainey Fondeller, who's the owner and operator of Lazy Lady Farm. Thanks for being with us, Lainey. Yeah. So we just, um, in the previous segment, we spoke with uh-huh. Sue Sturman, who is um, uh, working in France, um, teaching affinage classes at uh, cheese caves um, it, just outside of the um, outside of Lyon. And, uh, and so you're, I'm really excited to talk to you because, you know, in France, there's this tradition of affinage. There's, you know, sort of these structures and caves, you know, some natural, some built by man that were, you know, they've just been around for centuries. And in the U S nobody really even knew what the heck a cheese cave was probably until you built one, um, (laughs) you know, back, um, when, when did you construct your first cave? It was 1996. 1996. Yep. That's amazing. So. So we talk, you know, you are the true um, sort of, I feel like, pioneer. Um, you know, you are the... Idiot. Du- no. <laughs> the DIY, the DIY cheese cave, you know. It, who who would undertake such a project? It's it, Idiot is not the right word, but it definitely requires some, some gumption, and you yeah. certainly have. <laughs> right. Um, so how did you... So you, you, you're making great cheeses. You're making... Okay, so I start making cheese... And because I had nothing, I made kind of fresh. Then I go, well, maybe I can put some in, and ripen some in my basement. Wrong, you know, yeah. a basement, <laughs> you know. It's No. So then that didn't work. So then I go, well, my neighbor has a better basement. I'll go use his basement. Not, you know. <laughs> and then it was, I just said to Barry, you know, we got to build a cave. But I would never have thought of the notion if I hadn't been in France first. Right. You, you were know, trained in France no, before right. you came back trying, to the States. It was my basement, so I was trying to replicate a cellar. But if I had not been to, to France and, and been in the different little cellars, you know, from the tiny, from um, cellars made from tiny little rocks, round rocks, you know, to the arches and center arches, anyway, just gorgeous ones, I, I wouldn't have thought of it. But I'm here, 
I didn't study that in France. All I did was have memories. I didn't know how deep they were. I didn't know how they worked. I just knew they were they were there. <laughs> they were there and they worked. <laughs> and they worked. And so then this is pre internet. So went to the library just to look up root cellars. Mm. Which is and, the closest equivalent that anybody right. probably ever and had. So here. it gave me an idea of kind of the depth, kind of the, the the amount of dirt coverage over the top of it. And that you need two doors, you know, to, to create a, a vacuum between the, the cellar. For the airflow. Yep. Sure. And, 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 and protect outside from inside. You just, there, there, there's a vacuum in between. Ah, yes. Okay. The double yep. door is to get in. I see. Right. Okay. Then we go, I, we walk out and go, okay, we're going to dig it here. <laughs> and we dug. And um, the mistake was cellars, cement, cures. It needs months to cure. As soon as that last door was put on, I was shoving cheese in there. <laughs> well, it heats. When cement cures, it heats. And so, anyway. Of course, not great for a cheese that should be aging right, in a so cool there it cave. Is heating, but I didn't know you had to introduce what mold you wanted that to be. So, my cave became like all of humanity black, brown, yellow, white. You know, every color, <laughs> imagining <laughs> on the cave. Yes. So then I get the bright idea, well, you must have to Clorox this room every week. Bad mistake. Yeah, <laughs> you well. Don't. You y- don't. Oh. Just one mistake after the other. Well, and so the Clorox thing, yeah, can you elaborate because, on that? Because people are always thinking, you know, the cleaner the better, but in a cheese cave, not so. No. Right. Wrong. <laughs> and so I, I, to tell you the truth, I've never been able to get that. That cellar is on its own. It has a mind of its own. So I use that only now for my natural rind cheeses. Mm, and mm. it's the color du jour. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but it's fine. It's just natural rind. We rub them. You've seen them. You know, they, they are what they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I lived with that cave for years. And then I realized, you know, I, I used to try to put bloomies in there, and I would wall off with aluminum foil to protect the bloomies but you know the bloomies had all you you sold the cheese you know it had all these little little additions on top of them sure little friends little friends little were, friends yeah right mm-hmm. and so i used to have you know put up sign mold happens and make bumper stickers for my car mold happens <laughs> trying to explain to people you know it is what it is so with the second seller i learned my lesson we made, and also made it a little bit deeper, a little bit more of a, a vacuum room, a, a chamber in between. And I let it cure for six months. Mm. And then before I put the cheese in there, I sprayed those walls for one month with penicillin candidum. I bought a pump sprayer and would just douse that room. And then I put one little three-ounce piece of cheese in there. And let's see what happens. Uh-huh. And then another, and then another, until I saw nothing else was happening but Bloomy. That's so, that's, that's great. So, voila, <laughs> now I have the Bloomy Rhine Cave. Ah, so that's mm. great. So now you have your controlled environment for the Bloomies, yes. and you still use the first yes. seller for all your natural rinds. Yes, and so, yes, that one, I, I, I learned a big, hard lesson. Well, uh, the, I feel like, you know, we were talking about this a little bit the other day. You know, I, I feel like... I personally think I have to screw something up once before I, I get it right. Have and in to. the case of a cheese cave, you know, it's right. just, it's a much bigger learning curve, you know? Yes. It's, uh, it's, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
So, um, well, and so you have kind of an interesting scenario because, you know, your caves, um, they're, they're definitely on the smaller side. Um, and, but they also confer some benefits on, I I feel like some special things on your cheese making, for instance, um, the lady in blue, which is a blue cheese that I really love. Um, it's a raw milk blue and it's only available at certain times of the year. Can you tell our listeners why that is and how that is with the caves? Being geothermal, it's based on the temperature of the soil. So soil, the, the top temperature in the summertime of those caves is 55. And that maxes, that gets up to about 55 in late June mm-hmm. and stays 55. Now it's starting to go down. So it's, it, it, the gambit runs from about 42 to 55. And it has these little periods of when it'll stay at those temperatures. Now the blue likes 45 to 50. Mm. And so as soon as that cave gets into that range, that's when I start those. And they and um, I um, find the washed rinds like a cooler. They don't like 55. So if I do any washed rind, it's, you know, more in those other months. And Bloomy can seem to go, you know, has, has more flexibility. It can go from 45 to 55. But what will happen is it will ripen faster. So mm. I might, it'll be finished in, in a week and a half, two weeks, you know, and I can get it out. Wintertime, if I make them some bloomies, three weeks, and then I can get it out. I see, I see. Yeah. Yeah, no, so, well, you've learned. So the... you work with it, yeah, you work with these temperatures. Exactly. And, yeah, there's no-nos for certain certain ones, absolutely no-no. Yes, it, of course, I had to make a mistake with the Lady Blue. Tried to make it, you know, earlier on in the summer, you know, the, the type they make. Amazing amount of ammonia. Oh, ungodly. <laughs> ungodly. <laughs> the pigs love it. You know, the chickens love it. <laughs> the the people don't love it quite no. so much. So, so yeah. Well, since you've started, so so you built your cave, your your first cave in 1996, and I feel like there's been this interesting trajectory of not only American cheese making but also in cheese cave construction since then. The yeah. cellars at Jasper Hill are arguably the best known cheese caves yeah. in the country, and those were built in 2008. Yeah. And now there's even uh, retailers getting into the game of Correct. building cheese caves. Uh, Wegmans, right. which is a large uh, um, supermarket company based in New York. Um, they're actually embarking on construction of cheese caves, and I'm not sure exactly what the timeline is, but I would say that you are a trendsetter, Lainey. You've, right. You, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and well, it's, yeah, it's just ignorance is bliss, and you just move on. <laughs> you, know, you just keep on running down the road. Oh, this is great. <laughs> and so in your opinion, what, uh, you know, what would you tell those people who say that, oh, aging it in a cave doesn't make a difference? Oh, my. Oh, uh, it's all about that. That, I mean, that—that's that, <laughs> how you have to do it. That—that's aged cheese. That yes. That, I mean, that's that's the true. You know, just being in those cellars and being in that environment, and it just kind of likes being there, and it picks up. You pick up those flavors. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Just, that air is just full of flavor. Yeah. Yep. I well, I agree one hundred percent, and I wish we had more time to yep. to wax poetic. But we have come to the end of our show, oh. and I really appreciate you um, taking the time to to yeah, be on yeah, with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, Always fun to talk about this stuff. Talking caves. So yeah, um, talking caves. If anybody wants to build a cave, <laughs> talk to Lainey to first. The cave, Batman. When I'm heading down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Lainey. We'll be back right. next week with another episode of Cutting the Curd. See you. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Thank you.